Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. And check out right now us welcoming back into the studio for the first time in 2018, Justin Brown, founder hey. of Hill Vets. Good morning, Justin. How are you? Fantastic. Happy New Year. Good to be How back. How was your uh, holiday season? We haven't seen you since like mid-December. It's yeah, been a while. Been, been hiding out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Witness so. protection program. See, Justin... Killed a couple people, but there were other people who were involved in it, and he had to get out of town for a little while. Of course, first, I'm you, you won't ride my back because I'm vegan. And, and master now, blaster. And, and yes, Jake, Jake is on your shoulders as master. You're blaster beyond Thunderdome. It's one of the greatest movies of it's all time. It's not fair we making fun it. of people before they show up. <laughs> okay. That's the best way to do all it. Right, all right, all right. <laughs> then they can't respond to you and make fun of you. I mean, it's a win. Well, it's not a win-win. I guess it's a win-lose, but as long as the win is on my side, I'm all right with that. Speaking of wins, Justin. Justin keeps an eye on the wins that are happening for the military and veteran community out there through his organization, Hill Vets, working tirelessly every day to keep veterans apprised of what's taking place on Capitol Hill that will affect them. And we've got quite a few things to talk about today, including what we just mentioned, the Twitter account of the Army liking a tweet that mocked President Trump. Yeah, I saw saw that story. That's that's, fantastic. Apparently, it's not the first time, right? (laughs) Uh, It's happened a few times on different ones. And part of it is, I think, especially in certain rates in the Navy and jobs, MOSs in the military, you're going to find people that are uh, a little bit more to the left than others. And the people who tend to run public affairs and social media and things like that, speaking as a former one of them myself, I think you're going to find more people who are going to like a tweet like that in those jobs. Uh, It's happened before. It'll happen again. It's the nature of the beast because it happens. If you have access to your personal Twitter account and an official one, you have to switch back and forth. Sometimes it happens. It's all fake news. Everything is fake news, except ConnectingVets.com. That's the real stuff, man. That's what everybody needs to know. But President Trump, in non-Twitter-related news... He's got something coming up this weekend, this week, well, this afternoon. This I afternoon. was going to say this weekend, yeah. this afternoon that he's going to sign that he says it's going to be beneficial for veterans, but we don't really know what the heck it is, do we? It's a mystery. Oh, I like a mystery. Yeah, mysteries are good. Yeah, Let's we, get our team together. We'll be like we, Scooby Doo. I'm Daphne. I start calling it. some people. Be fun. <laughs> get a mystery machine and driving around. There some you contacts go. on the phone. Have Jake fire them up. Yeah. 7.30 in the morning. See what we can figure out. Let's see if we can get them out there. So what do we know about this mystery? Anything? Uh, The the only thing that that, that really has been floated out there is that there is a transition component to it. So Hmm. um, a number of years ago, uh, President Obama uh, formulated what he called a a reverse boot camp transition team. Right. Um, What ultimately resulted from that was kind of a tap 2.0. So... Um, you know, it's a guess, but, you know, thinking something along those lines in terms of, you know, how can, how can we better positively affect military transition out of the service and, 
in general, those are the main programs that are out there. So right. uh, thinking that it would have something to do with that, or maybe it's a, you know, a, a third party, you know, like a big company out there that or, or companies uh, and they've figured out a way to, to maybe, you know, try to help. That and and be, when you don't know the details, it's it's really it, tough. It, it's to it's a guessing say game. If it's a good thing, bad thing, what it is, or and as why we've seen with all of the fake news out there, it's it's guessing at what's going to happen with when it comes to politics, when it comes to the nation, when it comes to the president in particular. Yeah. it's a fool's errand because you're but, not going to be right more often than not. What I, what I would say, and and you know, I, I think it's certainly been an ongoing uh, issue that's been raised by a number of, especially the larger. Um, partners and players in the veteran space is that what is normal about this is that big announcement, not a lot of stakeholder input or buy-in, uh, and then just straight to announcement. So hmm. we'll, we'll we'll see how it plays out once the decision is made public. Uh, right. You know, in terms of you know, will your larger veteran groups, the American Legion, DAV, AMVETS, folks like that, uh, support whatever the ultimate outcome is. Right. I know that right now they're they're you know tasseling with announcements on homelessness funding and things of that nature that uh, maybe got out there a little quicker than they had anticipated. Didn't really create any buy-in and got a lot of whiplash once once those things came forward. Whatever it is that he's doing, there's a segment of the population that's going to hate it because it's him doing it. So we know that's going to happen out there. However, some of those same people seem to like one person who spoke at the Golden Globes the other night, which I didn't watch because watching a bunch of millionaires tell each other what a great job they're doing is not something that I personally enjoy, um, nor seeing them get awards for showing up to work and doing a good job. I don't get any awards for that. That's just one of those things that happens. But Oprah Winfrey got up and spoke we there. And of course, you, we can get you nominated for the Hill Vets 100 this which year. Which we're going to talk about in a little bit because I've seen quite a bit about that <laughs> okay. uh, on social media. Uh, Oprah was up there and uh, I don't really care about uh, the, the talk of people saying Oprah's going to run for president. She said many times she has no interest in that. Of course, now there's sources close to her saying she is going to run. But you know what? Sources close to the White House also said that Rex Tillerson was out as Secretary of State a month and a half ago. He seems to still be doing that job right now as far as I know. But she did weigh in on the military a little bit during her speech. She talked about military sexual assault and different things that are happening in there. Um, it's good to see, I guess, although I didn't see it because, again, not watching those people pat each other on the back. I guess it's good to see at least a big celebrity, including the military in this discussion, particularly someone who's, uh, well, even though she's not really Hollywood, she's always been more from the New York uh, and Chicago area and sure. focused on that. But someone who is big in that community, tying the military in and not just focusing on what's taking place in Hollywood. Uh, that was interesting to see. Were you kind of surprised to see her bring that in? I, I didn't expect anybody there unless someone happened to be like a military brat or a veteran themselves bring it up. Uh, how surprised were you to see Oprah talking about something like yeah, that? So in full disclosure, I didn't watch the speech. <laughs> <laughs> how surprised but, were you to hear about it? Uh, yeah, absolutely. And, and, and you know, I think uh, the the amount of groundswell that we're seeing kind of uh you know in terms of excitement for a democratic candidate that's outside of the norm uh you know those normal candidates that right. kind of just keep getting reflavored if you will you know the elizabeth warrens of the world and uh you know joe biden and and kind of the usual suspects if you will in terms of potential presidential candidates it was it was it was it was uh i think you know, pretty big shocker to, to Capitol Hill, at least in short term. And, and, you know, 
it will be interesting to see what happens over time, of course. You know, I mean, yeah. there, there are certainly, I mean, we had this a few months ago with Kid Rock. Am I wrong? So. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. I thought he was going to be the next senator of Michigan coming out of there. And I think he's still talking about politics to some extent. The interesting thing about this, of course, looking at it from a political standpoint, is uh, someone makes one speech during which they say nothing about wanting to run for office. And we have... Two days later now, CNN still, it's like a headline for right, them. I mean, this is right. nonstop. People are uh, incredibly focused on this stuff. I'm just over here watching, uh, you know, reruns of The Office or whatever with Mindy Kaling, who tweeted out about <laughs> President Trump and the Army often out. All I right. Th- so- I think the difference between my comparison is, is, you know, Kid Rock seems a little more unlikely, but. <laughs> I don't know, man. You think so. Would I mean, if Ted Nugent ran for Congress in certain districts, you don't think he would win? It's very possible. There and Kid possible. Rock. Uh, He's got Kid Rock's got an interesting cross section of following as a crossover artist who has. I know he's got a lot of fans in the military. I remember the Kid Rock fans in the military. Country music. He's had some success there uh, and crossing over in there. He had a number one hit, that song he did with uh, Cheryl Crow. Picture, I think it was called. It was a country hit. He's got the hip hop thing, the rock thing. We we also are are comparing the Michigan Senate to, uh, you know, the president of the United States. President Rock. President Rock. Okay. Could be. You never know. Better call him up. He didn't want to do the Senate. So maybe. Yeah. Can... You know what? Let's, uh, I don't know. Didn't I, come with a plane. I I think I might like to see, uh, let's say, a veteran who's gotten out and found some success in politics or in business maybe look at something like that more so than a celebrity who's lived a pampered lifestyle for the last, well, let's see, in Oprah's case, we're looking back 30 plus years that she's been a, a big deal. And you know, we'll we'll see what happens with that. But yeah, again, awards, anything that comes out of an awards show, I take with a giant grain of salt, particularly because, as I said, I don't see it when it happens live. Chairman Phil Rowe is on Air Force One to join the president to go to Tennessee for a speech to the American Farm Bureau. Now, what tie does this have to the veteran community? Because a lot of what Phil Rowe does has to do with veterans. Yeah, I mean, he's the chairman of the House Veterans Affairs Committee, so that that makes him the most powerful member of Congress uh, regarding veterans' issues. Um, So, you know, anytime he gets some airtime, pun intended, uh, with the president, uh, you know, it's, it's probably a good thing, at least in terms of highlighting some of the things that he's working on with the committee, with the Veterans Affairs, you know, with, with the VA, um, and, and likewise to hear from the president in terms of some of the concerns that he's seeing um, as president and some of the things that they want to work on. So, you know, always would be interesting to be a fly on the wall in, in, in terms of, you know, how that ultimately played out. Um, uh, I imagine that... Uh, chairman is is probably on his way back if not already back um uh, uh, on his way back in town for you know, right. congress being in session this week yeah which is a big thing congress being in session and we're going to talk about uh some issues that have to do with congress coming up here as we speak with justin brown the founder of hill vets but first, Secretary Shulkin, of course, he's someone that we talk about a lot on this show. He's someone yep. that's dealing with a lot of Did big come issues. come in here yet? You drag him in? We there? haven't had him in here yet. We're still what? working on that. We'll get that done. We'll get him in here. I spoke to him at the Disabled Veterans for Life Memorial uh, Inaugural yep. Day of mm-hmm. Honor, and he said, you know, yeah, I'd like to come on. Let's make it happen. And we just haven't gotten it squared away yet. But we're going to. We're going to get him in here. There's a lot of people I'd like to get in here. One I'm going to talk about in just a moment. But uh. In regards to the contract with Cerner, and this is regarding uh, you know the ability to combine healthcare systems, electronics, computer systems, and things like that, it looks like that 
timeline slash deadline that we were talking about with Cerner has moved back a little bit. What's the reason for that? And what does the new timeline look like? Yeah. So, so just to break this down a little bit for, for our listeners, uh, essentially imagine purchasing the most expensive software program for your computer ever. Windows 98, (laughs) Windows 98 (laughs) T 10 billion low cost. Um, and, and you know, that could, that could balloon. Most most folks who've worked in the VA IT arena um, have insinuated they think that that cost is low. Uh, what what's happened here? And at the end of the day, what this is supposed to do is it's an electronic healthcare record. It's supposed to allow uh, seamless uh, interoperability uh, for you know as a service member comes in the door. DoD is now using the same Cerner system. Um, and then it's supposed to essentially have your, your healthcare record flow directly into the Department of Defense. So that you or, wouldn't I mean, have I'm to sorry, spend into the VA. hours at a copying machine. First finding a copying yep. machine and then hours at one making copies of all your records, which then in some cases the VA goes on to lose, which happened to me. My dental records went missing, my medical records as well. So you know things like that occur. If it becomes a streamlined, interoperable thing, that's fantastic. But... There's a lot of questions on how well this is going to work, as there are with almost every VA program. So the key component here is the word interoperability. And and what that fundamentally means is, is how does it work with other systems? Now, in the digital age that we're in, there's obviously a lot of competition. There are a lot of other software programs that provide the electronic healthcare record capability. Um, and, and, and there are a lot of doctors that use those different systems as well as hospitals, et cetera. Uh, so the fundamental issue here is, okay, VA is going to buy this very expensive software that's going to be customized for VA and the DOD. And they're going to, since they're the same system in theory, they should work very well together. Right. Um, but the, the, the larger challenge here is, is as VA is moving down this road and there is, you know, obviously a lot of interest in, in finding public-private partnerships, i.e. private community care doctors who are using other systems. How do we ensure that this very expensive Cerner system talks to these other programs? And so there are a lot of companies out there that, that, that certainly have uh, interest in, in, in seeing this um, interoperability component go as as broad as possible and frankly probably the government does too because if if we can figure out some solid in, interoperability amongst these systems mm. you know that could certainly bleed into other areas as well right and that's the key having this being a, the, the whole goal of it is to have these systems work together for everything to transition over and if what Cerner is saying can and will happen is not what the VA expects if it's not what they're paying for and what they expected it's got to be pushed back. Right? Well, I think what you, I think what you're seeing here is, 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 it's the definition at the end of the day. So it's the agreement on what interoperability means. Um, and it sounds to me like VA is looking for a broader definition of interoperability, meaning, you know, more. It yeah, it needs to talk to you know, a broader aperture of 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 other software programs. Uh, whereas, you know, on Cerner's end, they're probably trying to keep it as narrow as possible, which frankly makes their contract right. probably easier. Um, and it also probably keeps, uh, you know, long-term more of, uh, the, the IT functionality with them versus potential other third parties. So, um, at the end of the day, it looks like Shulkin, uh, secretary Shulkin, uh, 
you know, called called the bluff, if you will, yeah, and like, and, yeah, and, nope. and or at least is let's say you know checking the table and saying, okay, um, you know, you guys need to come back with something else, or I'm going to start kicking this down the road. Um, in terms of the broader scope of things, uh, you know, I'd say this is this is probably pretty status quo as far as the government and in terms of uh, you know buying products, right. especially big products. There are often delays. There are often cost overruns. Um, it's, 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 it's rarely, uh, picture perfect. That's for sure. Yeah. Well, let's just look at the recent, uh, and I say, I say this with big air quotes around it, rollout of the VA identification cards that sure. they were preparing for, for so long. That's a much smaller scale project yeah. on this one. I think we also have to take into account that we're dealing with two massive entities in DOD and VA, and mm-hmm. we've, we've all seen it. Anyone who served in the military in the digital age has seen Programs that are supposed to be used the same way, used yeah. differently at different commands. So if that starts happening, then you have another layer of issue where, well, if DOD is doing it this way and they're using the program slightly differently from the VA, could that cause? There's a lot of issues that need to be worked out for it. And when it comes to a program that you're spending billions of dollars on, you want it to be pretty simple, pretty straightforward and, and not have all those issues. But yeah, and in, in this case, it's DOD, VA, and really the, the entirety of the healthcare industry. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> add that all eyes, third aspect yeah. in there. That's and and not even just difficult. one company in that industry, right? I mean, right. all eyes in the healthcare industry are very closely watching how this plays out. Yeah. It'll be uh, interesting to see because again, it, it's like anytime you move and you have to, tra- even if you're just a civilian, never served in the military, anytime you move, you have to go from doctor to doctor, yep. get your record. It's, it's a pain and it's something that you would think in 2018 now we'd have a way to figure this out pretty easily, but apparently the only way to figure it out is uh, with some difficulty and with a couple billion dollars thrown at it. We're speaking with Justin Brown, the founder of Hill Vets, organization working to uh, keep veterans' interests moving on Capitol Hill and, of course, keep veterans aware of them. Speaking of something that took place on Capitol Hill, a guest of the show that we've had on a few times, Senator Joni Ernst, introduced the VETS Act, which has now been passed. What can you tell us about the VETS Act that Senator Ernst put through? Sure. So uh, at its base, this was uh, something that Secretary Shulkin um, uh, certainly wanted to happen and, and actually had a, had a, an administrative order to, to make this already occur, but he did want legislation backing it up. Um, and essentially that's what this, this does. Now, as a doctor who practices telemedicine himself, Actually, at the VA, he serves patients in Oregon uh, from Washington, D.C., which is very fascinating. Uh, but this was a challenge, uh, and the challenge here was uh, how, how, how could he figure out a way for his doctors to serve veterans who may be nearby but were, in, in many cases, just right across the border. Uh, so this is something that he took on pretty, pretty early in his tenure, um, and, and, and certainly with the support of Senator Ernst really kind of put into concrete. And what, what is happening here is essentially that a VA doctor can provide telehealth services uh, to a veteran anywhere in, a na- in the nation. Um, and previously, they had to be in the same state mm. as the, the patient. So um, now, now, now as long as they are VA doctors, they can serve uh, a veteran in another state. They're not VA doctors, even under the VA umbrella. Uh, that is still not the case. Sticking with VA doctors, recent guidance from the VA came out that allowed doctors to finally talk to patients about the marijuana. I believe yeah. I'm pronouncing yeah. that correctly. Of Sounds course, right. last week, 
Uh, Attorney General Jeff Sessions came out and basically rescinded guidance from the Obama administration saying that the federal government would allow states to kind of do their own thing, particularly states where they've legalized marijuana uh, and that the federal authorities would not interfere. This new guidance from uh, Senator or sorry, former Senator, now Attorney General Sessions, saying that uh, the federal Authorities now have the discrimination to, if they want to go in and do something about it, they can, essentially, is what it says. Now, the VA has said this won't affect veterans, who, of course, just a few weeks ago were finally allowed to talk to doctors about it. Seems kind of counterintuitive to me, because if the marijuana that they're allowed to talk to them about is now illegal in those states federally, doctors could be talking about telling people that they should use something that can be considered a federal crime once again. Sure. Uh, it seems like an issue, but I mean, how do we look at this when we look at the marijuana issue and how it affects veterans, not even the recreational marijuana issue, but for those States where it is legal medicinally, will that, could this have any effect on veterans despite what the VA is saying? Yeah, I think so. Uh, I mean, I think the reality is, is in, <laughs> you know, I think, I think the nuance here is that VA is saying, Oh, it's fine for veterans to talk to VA about their marijuana use and their doctors because that's a private uh, conversation, right? That's a private communication between a, a veteran and their doctor, and it doesn't fall into the scope of things that a doctor has to uh, relay, if you will, such right. as you know a veteran saying that they were going to hurt themselves or others. Yeah. Um, I think the challenge with it is, though, is you know, one, I, I think a side effect of marijuana is paranoia. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and, and this idea of, you know, t talking to your, talking to your, you know, federal doctor, uh, you know, and, and, and your information going into this federal, you know, uh, <laughs> now they're going to be a man. He's going to uh, turn me in, man. Uh, I know he is go, going into this federal electronic healthcare record that may not be interoperable with other ones. That uh, doctor's just, wearing a wire, man. He's going <laughs> to tell him about my weed. Oh no. It's yeah, of course I throw in that voice. It's always got to be that <laughs> voice when in reality, it's many normal people who it's something that they either enjoy or need when it comes to a, a medicinal factor. So it'll be interesting to see what happens with that, uh, and see how it may affect the veteran. Community. Well, it's sending, it's sending mixed messages at minimum, right? Oh, yeah. You know, and, and, and so, you know, it's certainly a challenge. And at a time when you see a lot of the larger veteran service organizations, American Legion, AMVETS, um, you know, getting out there and, and, and at least supporting research, you know, as kind of a baseline with regards to, right. you know, the effects of marijuana on various elements. It, it is interesting. And, you know, the American Legion also did a poll, I think it was like 90% of, of their veterans supported, oh, yeah. you know, some form of legalization. The, the, the political tone certainly seems to be at a place in, in America right now where, you know, and how many states have legalized, et cetera, et cetera. So yep. I think in the broader political push, it seems to be a, a you know, seen as kind of a, a real step backwards in terms right. of political acceptance. Um, you know, but, uh, and what's unfortunate about that, I think is again, you know, it's sending mis mixed messages and veterans are going to come back and, and be confused about what's going on. No mixed messages coming out of Hill Vets. We've been speaking with founder Justin Brown and we only have 30 seconds left, but the Hill Vets 100. Give yeah. us a brief description of what it is and where people can go to find out more and to nominate You those. bet. Check us out at hillvets.org. The Hill Vets 100 is uh, our way of honoring the 100 most influential veterans, service members, and those that supported them in the previous year. We're taking nominations right now. Our big event's going to be on March 29th, so please get those nominations in. 
Get them in there. Justin Brown of Hillvets, hillvets.org. Rico Roman interview coming up after this. All-star closer, Kenley Jansen, we have a question. What's the best podcast of all time? Baseball isn't boring, baby. I'm Rob Bradford, and every single day I'm sitting down with the biggest names to show you this great game is the greatest game. It's my podcast. It's my passion. It's a cause I started more than two years ago and is now the most prolific national daily baseball pod there is. Another fact, so jump aboard the B.I.B. Express. Follow and listen to Baseball Isn't Boring, presented by Wasabi Hot Cloud Storage on the free Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.